the number one internal concern was, guess what? Attracting and retaining talent. So that speaks back to the external concerns about labor shortages. You are listening to CEO Perspectives, a podcast by the Conference Board. Welcome to this episode of CEO Perspectives, a signature series by the Conference Board. CEO Perspectives are conversations that take an objective, nonpartisan look at a range of subjects that matter most to business leaders. I'm Steve Odlin from the Conference Board and the host of this series. And in today's conversation, we're going to look at our C-Suite Outlook for 2024. For 25 years now, the C-Suite Outlook Survey has served as a pulse check to understand what challenges and opportunities the world's top business leaders are facing and their strategies for addressing them. Joining me today to discuss the 2024 results is Dana Peterson, our Chief Economist and the leader of our Economy, Strategy, and Finance Center. Dana, welcome. Hi, Steve. It's always great to be here. So, Dana, tell us a little bit about the survey. Well, as you said, we've been doing this survey for 25 years, and it's our flagship survey covering C-suite executives spanning the globe. And it's really about what keeps CEOs and their teams up at night. Indeed, it also talks about how executives are overcoming challenges. And indeed, the theme for this year is leading for tomorrow, winning through change and disruption. This is an anonymous survey that was carried out between mid-November and mid-December of 2023. We had over 1,200 executives responding, including 630 CEOs from around the world. We also looked at regions, largely the US, Japan, Latin America, and Europe, and companies of all sizes across manufacturing, professional services, and financial services. So it's a very broad survey. It's the the CEO and his or her direct reports. It's a very senior survey um, of of company executives. So this year, what did CEOs tell us was the uh, were the were the biggest issues for them going into twenty twenty four? Sure. So we split it up into external issues versus internal issues. In terms of external issues. The economy and geopolitical factors rose to the top. They really loomed large. With regards to the economy, fear of a slowing economy or even recession, elevated inflation, higher interest rates, and labor shortages were among the top five greatest concerns. High labor costs was ranked seventh, and global political instability was ranked third. And that certainly has implications for the economy and business operations. I'd say on the the upside, many executives said that AI was ranked very high in terms of external effects. But for the most part, executives thought AI would be something constructive and positive for their businesses and for driving the bottom line. You know, it's interesting because, um, you know, a year ago, it was all about recession, recession, recession. And uh, I think in our in other surveys, we had over 90% of CEOs saying there was going to be a recession this year. That hasn't happened yet. So it's interesting to hear that people still are worried about a slowdown. Well, certainly when you look globally last year, a, a number of economies did slow down pretty significantly. Um, Europe, for example, parts of Asia, but not and not necessarily the U.S., uh, but certainly there are fears among U.S. Uh, CEOs that there could be a recession or at least a slowdown this year. And even though we didn't have many responses from China, we do forecast that China is going to see a significant slowdown in growth once again this year. Yeah. And and so these are CEOs of large companies who have global business. And hence, you know, what happens in China is material, um, even if they're sitting in 
you know, different parts of the world. So this year, it was interesting that the geopolitical stuff, I don't mean to be um, casual about it, but, you know, a lot of activity, but it, you know, there's always something going on in the world, but this year it's rising to the top. What does that tell you? Well, I think it definitely tells us that executives are more than aware of how external factors impact their businesses. Certainly the relationship between the U.S. and China wars that have been going on in Europe and now the Middle East, and also deglobalization, where you see the disruption and reorientation of supply chain. So all of these things have political and geopolitical effects. They are political and geopolitical in nature, and they have impacts on how companies operate and where they invest, where they source labor, and certainly on their profits. And, and did you see material differences region by region? Well, with external factors, there really wasn't a terrible amount of differentiation, except for Japan, where labor shortages were number one out of external issues, followed by economic downturn. And the U.S.-EU-China relationship ranked in the top five for Japan. So that really rose to the top. Uh, but other than that, um, we saw very similar responses among executives across the globe. And that's not really too surprising for Japan. They've been dealing with an aging population and a diminishing workforce for a long time. Those are big issues for them. Um, it's going to be bigger issues for you know, other parts of the developing world as, you know, as the trends go forward. So I suspect that uh, CEOs around the globe will be watching how Japan deals with it. Why don't we shift to internal concerns? You mentioned that there were these external concerns, but what we also... Um, talk to them about internal concerns. What'd you hear? The number one internal concern was, guess what? Attracting and retaining talent. So that speaks back to the external concerns about labor shortages, which ranked in the top five, again, among all executives across the globe. And I think that's not surprising. As you mentioned, um, advanced and mature economies, as well as China and, and South Korea, are experiencing shrinking labor forces as the baby boomer generation retires, and they're taking their skills with them. Additionally, younger generations have different views on labor force participation. They desire choice, flexibility, and a work environment that reflects their values. Consequently, employers are faced with really tough choices that either lead to costly solutions like raising wages or hunt for productivity gains like automation and upskilling, each of which rank six. So that's really the big thing, the biggest issue. But they're also very much focused on accelerating the pace of digital transformation and increasing automation. We see these things as constructive towards bolstering productivity. And all of this is with a big focus on customer satisfaction, including enhancing products and services and improving the customer experience. Ranked fifth, um, I should note, was reducing costs. So many businesses are faced with structural and cyclical factors that are raising the cost of doing business. Some of those structural factors include labor shortages, as I mentioned, the global energy transition and deglobalization. Cyclical factors include the higher cost of capital as many central banks have raised rates to combat inflation. And there are limits to how much these additional costs can be passed on to customers. So firms are looking for alternatives to help cut operating costs. Yeah, this is a real different time, as you pointed out before, and you've written about. Uh, in most slowdowns or recessions, you see labor taken out. And so when people have talked about cost savings historically, it's meant 
we're going to do layoffs and we're going to take people out. That's not what we're hearing in this one, which makes this year really, really different. Yes. And the big difference is, again, labor shortages. Many companies, um, when certainly when we ask CEOs of the largest companies focused on the U.S., are not letting people go because they spent two and three years and a lot of money on attracting talent and also trying to keep talent. Why would you undo all that if you think that there's going to be a temporary slowdown or even no slowdown in the economies that you're working with? So companies are really just trying to hold on to labor because they know that the workforce is shrinking, especially in these advanced economies. Yeah, there's even human capital hoarding going on. If you that's what we call it, well, retention hoarding. Same yeah, thing. well, but it's it's you know you think of hoarding as you know supplies you know as 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 happened in the pandemic. Well, one of the key supplies that that got up and with their feet and walked out was was labor. We had this huge shift in people leaving jobs and so forth, and I think it spooked CEOs and other members of the C-suite, and so their behavior is really different this time. Yes, I mean, we definitely in the U.S. saw quitting behavior spike during and after in the, in the, in the throes or in the wake of the pandemic, but a lot of the activities calmed down. In the U.S., quits are now back at the 2019 level. Um, I think as you know, people found their new homes and also as many people experienced an increase in wages, and there's only so many times you can flip jobs before you kind of max out on that. Um, and I think also they're just, you know, you, there's just less hiring in general, uh, especially in the U.S. But certainly when you, you look at labor market churning, we did see a lot of that over the last few years. Yeah. So it's a different time. All right. So you mentioned geopolitics being a key theme here. Uh, what were the greatest concerns? You mentioned, uh, you know, some of the wars, but... Um... But just overall, tick them off. Sure. Number one was higher energy prices. After that was increased cyber attacks, wars, and then sovereign debt uh, in the U.S. and abroad. Just thinking about higher energy prices, you might say, well, why do businesses think of that as a geopolitical risk? But certainly, higher energy, energy prices are needed for everything with respect to doing business, production, transportation, facilities. And there's also a lot of customer sentiment around purchasing goods and services, and certainly energy prices flow through that. Um, so that's why energy prices, I think, rose to the top. Um, increased cyber attacks, that ranks second. And that's likely given the higher, the more disruptive nature of such attacks, which often come with these faceless enemies holding extreme power over oper operations and the viability of companies. Notably, CEOs feel more prepared to address this challenge in any other types of crises, but it's still a really big deal. I mentioned wars, and that includes wars in the Middle East and Ukraine, um, but also trade wars, I think, are factoring into how companies are thinking and executives are operating, and notably, uh, sovereign debt. And that was a concern about sovereign debt, not only in the U.S., but abroad. We have a lot of outsized debt in the wake of the pandemic, as many economies look to uh, soften the blow of the shutdowns. And we also saw interest rates rise very aggressively as central banks tried to deal with inflation. So with that, we've seen sovereign debt explode for many economies, not just the U.S. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, one area that uh, that I think CEOs are a little nervous about is the, the China-Taiwan situation. Uh, recently, China has said that 
uh, the reunification with Taiwan is inevitable. That that was a very strong word, and I think has kind of rattled people. So that that that's not a war per se, but that that is top of mind for people. Well, we did ask that question, I believe, and it didn't rise to the top, which which actually surprised me a little bit. But I would imagine that's probably one of the bigger risks for this year or even the next year, um, just given what we're seeing around supply chains and trade. Certainly right now, a big concern is disruptions in trade via the Red Sea. So that impacts Europe, the Middle East, and Asia. So imagine if we added on disruptions in trade um, due to China absorbing Taiwan, and then there's some kind of US response. That can affect not only production, but shipments of trade, um, which would impact everything requiring semiconductors or high tech. So I, I think that, you know, at the time we asked the survey, the war, the war in the Middle East was extremely hot. It still is hot. And the China-Taiwan situation was probably simmering in the background. But that could come to the fore. Yeah, and I think, you know, um, you know, we've talked about this in the past, but I think there's something on the order of half of the world's semiconductor production in Taiwan and 90% of the advanced semiconductors, which go into most of the high tech, the AI uh, facilitation, as well as military. And I think that's, that's really uh, concerning to people. What would happen with the reunification to, to that whole supply chain? Because that's not something you can just easily move. You know, you have Intel trying to build factories in, in various places and others, and, and it hasn't been it hasn't been easy for them to just, you know, flip a switch on that. So that is, that's a big risk into 2024. It definitely is. And that's why I was surprised that it didn't rise further to the top in the survey. But again, the survey was conducted back in November where, you know, we were wondering if there was going to be a World War III started in the Middle East. Yeah. Now, you mentioned the sovereign debt thing. Now, you know, as, as, as far back as I remember, you know, CEOs have been very concerned about the U.S. debt. Of, you know, they've been talking about a crisis which has been coming down the road. It's always down the road. And, you know, as long as it's not before us, you know, our politicians don't seem, our elected officials don't seem to address it until it becomes a crisis. But I think that, you know, I, I think we see CEOs starting to worry that, uh, you know, that a crisis is closer than further away now. Well, I actually think the crisis is here. Why is this? Well, we saw, I think we've had a number of flashpoints. So last year we had three that I would highlight. First, you had the debt ceiling debacle where we got very close to default, probably the closest ever. Well, maybe not ever, but in recent times. And that was really frightening um, for uh, financial markets, for corporations. And then a second is uh, back in the fall when Treasury was announcing how much uh, debt it was going to issue. There was concerns about how much and whether or not the markets could absorb it, meaning who's going to buy it and whether these auctions would actually pass or fail. And then there was also the ramp up in net interest on the debt, which came from as an outcropping of the Fed raising interest rates to address inflation. So putting all these three things together, I think really, really worried executives more so than anything. And I think under that, underlying that was a concern about policymakers and whether Congress and you know the executive branch and Washington can get together and actually address these big issues regarding debt and whether the rest of the world will continue to see the U.S. economy as a place to invest in and the U.S. dollars um, a currency to be used. 
So I think all those things really frightened um, executives, especially in the U.S., and this really rose, it rose to the top in the U.S. We're talking about the 2024 C-Suite Outlook. We're going to take a short break and be right back. What does the future of work mean for your employees? How will your company navigate ESG? Will there be a global recession? At the conference board, our experts translate the latest research and economic analysis into insights and real-time problem solving for your organization. Membership at the conference board provides your team with an assortment of knowledge from economics, marketing and communications, ESG, public policy, and human capital. As a member, you'll have access to our center experts, member-exclusive events, data and benchmarking tools, and peer sharing that will help you understand the present and shape the future. Consider becoming a conference board member today by visiting www.conference-board.org. Welcome back to CEO Perspectives. I'm your host, Steve Odlin from the Conference Board, and I'm joined today by Dana Peterson, the Chief Economist of the Conference Board. Okay, we talked, Dana, about a lot of the problems that CEOs and other C-suite members are highlighting. What are some of the solutions? So let's first talk about supply chains. Indeed, 30% of CEOs said they had no plans to alter their supply chains. However, two-thirds said that they do have it plans to alter their supply chains. And it's really about de-risking first and resiliency second as the top reasons for why they're doing this. And it certainly does make sense. And when you think about other reasons for why they're looking at adjusting their supply chain, it's about lowering costs, which certainly was something that rose to the top in the earlier questions. Um, and then proximity to customers was very important. And also interestingly, greening supply chains so all these things factored into reasons for adjusting supply chains. We did ask about pressure from government, so industrial policies, and you know regulations and that regulations ranked six, and national security concerns ranked eighth. So I thought that was surprising that those two elements didn't rise further to the top. But really, it's about de-risking and resiliency for many companies. Well, you know, you, you mentioned about. Uh, people altering supply chains, it it's going to be altered for them. I mean, if you think through the all these risks, these geopolitical risks and what's happening, supply chains are, you know, it's happening to them rather than saying proactively, let's lower some costs and we'll move our supply chain. Around. They're having to think through now proactively, backup supplies, you know, what if these uh, wars spill over? What if, you know, the situation in Taiwan, you know, so so that's a big deal. So it's it's the the alteration is is in response to what is happening out there, and and it you know it's it's a little bit of diversification, isn't it? Right, and that's 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 what de-risking is, right? You're spreading the risk around multiple locations so that you're not wholly concentrated in China or any one economy, and also making sure that your supply chains are resilient. And I think. A lot of that comes from the pandemic, where you saw how fragile supply chains were. Um, if you can't get a part over here, that affects your production over there, right? And so I think those two things together, certainly the pandemic and then consequent shocks like the war in Ukraine, um, which impacted energy and food and metals um, and potential future conflagrations in Asia that can affect computer chips and technology, 
I think all these things are causing CEOs to look at their supply chains and figure out ways to make them more durable. Yeah, and you were mentioning earlier the the shipping issues through the Suez Canal and the Red Sea. You know, this it you know what looked like uh, you know a pretty safe place to you know pretty static kind of process now is kind of thrown up in the air with all these things going on. You know, the other uh, thing we've got to talk about is growth because um, you know CEOs are not looking. You said to to cut labor. And so if, if you're gonna you know, deliver returns for your owners, for your shareholders, and you're not gonna rely on labor cuts, you're gonna have to really grow profitably, you know, get back to old, good old fashioned earnings through growth. What are consumers, I mean, sorry, what are CEOs saying about uh, their growth plans? Sure, so over the next year, they're looking at strategies that are constructive for the company and for their customers. So some of those top actions included new products and services. So expansion into new products and services or into new markets or even investing in human capital. CEOs also plan to invest in technology, um, which can help lower costs for the business. And interestingly, increasing prices was seventh. It was pretty low on the list. So I think you know many businesses that you know want to raise prices have already done it and are realizing they're reaching their limits. So they need to focus on organic growth. And over the next three to five years, there's a big focus on innovation, and that's innovation related to people, processes, and tools. And coupled with that is digital transformation, upskilling talent, and automation, including AI. So I would also suggest that CEOs are very much focused on new lines of business, which goes back to the whole concept of, of expansion. So there's a big focus on on how do we grow our sales, our profits? How do we make our people better? How do we make our companies more efficient in order to support growth despite all the other distractions and risks out there? Yeah, you know, it, it, it's interesting because, um, you know, this almost is going back to, you know, sort of the traditional view, you know, okay, we've done the, we've done the pricing. We've, we've gotten through that period of inflation and that's slowing down. So we've got to get back to fundamentals here. And you see this, in you know we're not the focus here isn't marketing, but you see this in the in the results in the marketing, the CMOs and uh, the CCOs talking about you know a focus on on growing through new customer development, new markets, and so forth. So it's it, it's it's back to that again, which which really is a I think is a good thing because that those are the fundamentals of a business, and that will drive true long term growth rather than you know these short term pops. Sure. And actually, CEOs are in agreement with uh, the other folks in their organization. So CEOs are planning to use enhanced marketing to help achieve many of these goals and to increase sales. They're also looking at promotions, um, which ranked fourth for ensuring long-term growth. So customer satisfaction is a huge priority here. Um, and they believe that that's going to be a way, communicating that to their customers is going to be a way to drive growth in those other areas I mentioned. Okay, so we also talked about hoarding of human capital. Um, any other ways CEOs are talking about uh, dealing with these skill shortages? Yes. So corporate culture and investments in employees top the solution. So everything kind of boils up into those two ideas. So number one was developing leadership and workforce capabilities. After that was strengthening organizational culture. So there you have culture. Attracting and retaining workers. That's very much about culture, right, to keep people and to bring them in, 
and then making sure you're training them such that they can stay. And accelerating the pace of digital transformation ranked fourth and strengthening the employee experience. Also that ranked number five among CEOs and it ranked very highly among CHROs. Um, and number six was targeted upskilling and reskilling. And that also speaks to investments in your employees. So like I said, two things, culture and investments in your labor. Yeah, and we're gonna do a whole separate podcast on the human capital concerns that have that have uh, come through on this survey. But but this is really interesting that uh, you know CEOs are are focused on human capital. I think more than I've ever heard before, and I, I think they were spooked during the pandemic and the the loss of and drain of of uh, of skills. But it, it also says that we have really evolved to more of a knowledge based economy where where our 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 true capital, our production, our everything uh, related to our customers are invested in our people, and and so it it, it makes sense that that CEOs would want to invest back into that, those human assets. Sure. So uh, final thing we talked about AI and, you know, uh, Dana, you've talked a lot about labor productivity, uh, total factor productivity um, in your forecasting. And, you know, at various points in time, um, as recently as the 90s, uh, productivity, it, it, this was at the start of the, the internet and the use of digital uh, transformation. I mean, it really contributed a lot to GDP growth, um, you know, virtually around the world. Do you think this AI um, you know, transformation here is is just the next wave of digital, and 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 will that, in fact, um, flow all the way through to to total factor productivity and GDP growth? Well, we think it will, and CEOs agree. Um, for the most part, CEOs are generally open to adopting AI. In fact, most have either adopted it or said they're willing to explore options to do so, overwhelmingly so. So they're open to it, but they do realize that there are going to be some risks and some responsibilities around it. But in terms of impacts on the business, they think it's going to be largely positive. So it's going to increase efficiencies of, of firms and labor. It's going to improve marketing, increase sales, revenue, and profits. It's going to improve innovativeness and strengthen employee engagement. And adoption does mean that there's going to be investments in, in capital and upskilling, especially around technology, but there's also going to be more cross-functional collaboration. It's going to affect strategic workforce planning, and it's going to be disruptive to businesses, um, both in a positive way and for some a negative way. But for the most part, again, they're very open to it. Now, in terms of risks, those risks include concerns about regulation and possible disruptions to the labor force. We've talked about AI can help modify the productivity of workers, but it also can replace some jobs. Um, so companies are, are concerned about that. And then I would say potentially they're also concerned about unmentioned forces like customer privacy and IP protection. But those risks and concerns seem to be a distant second to the fact that they are very open and see this as a big opportunity. Yeah, so maybe it'll be the magic elixir here that will help uh, help drive growth here in the next few years. Any final thoughts, Dana, as you as you look through the results of the 2024 C-suite outlook? Well, I see a lot of optimism here. Yes, we had a lot of questions on issues and problems, but through all that, companies are still looking forward to growth and they're looking forward to investing in their capital and their labor in new types of technologies, and they are 
recognizing that, yes, there are going to be some challenges. Indeed, we asked them, what, how prepared are you for the next big crisis? And they were generally not terribly prepared. But even with that, they're optimistic and they're saying, look, we, we can overcome these things. We overcame the pandemic. You know, we're getting through disruptions. We're figuring it out. And we can probably continue to figure things out such that we can continue to remain profitable. And if any of our CEOs or, or C-suite leaders are listening in, you have developed an awesome Grace Swans tool, which is available at tcb.org to help forecast what's coming and potential impact on their business. Absolutely. Yeah. Dana Peterson, thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Steve. And thanks to all of you for listening in to CEO Perspectives. Every week, I'll be joined by a prominent thought leader to provide insights on the issues of our time. We'll cover the leading topics in geopolitics, economics, public policy, and more. Please share CEO perspectives with your colleagues, your friends, and with anyone who's concerned about what's coming here in 2024. I'm Steve Odlin, and this series has been brought to you by the Conference Board. You have been listening to CEO Perspectives, a podcast by the Conference Board.